and uh, how blessed we are. You know, it's just, uh, we don't realize sometimes, we, well, we take things for granted. You know, I do that, we all do that, don't we? Things are just going fine, going along fine. And uh, we just assume they're going to keep going on fine, going along fine. And uh, I was telling my wife and some fellows yesterday and some others this morning, when you look at the, the uh, videos of the fires going, that have gone through the Lahaina area in Hawaii on the island of Maui, I was uh, looking at those over the last few days and I kept looking and I kept thinking they're saying Lahaina and I'm looking at trying to get a, an image of, of what you could see, how you could see it based upon you know, the burned out conditions, burned to the ground so much in so many of the cases. And I, I was telling my wife, I said, I think we were there. And then finally I pulled up some pictures from when we were in Hawaii this past February and I said, we were, we were right there. And they were talking about Front Street. I said, that's where we went whale watching on one of the excursions. We ate lunch at, at a restaurant right on Front Street there. And now that's all just laying in ruins. Just amazing how things can change. And so, you know, we need to realize that uh, we need to always be ready. We need to always be focused in our life upon serving God, being ready spiritually so that if something happens, if the Lord comes again or if there's a devastating fire, uh, they're saying tonight on the news that they're, they're hearing cell phones go off and the bodies of people who are lying dead in the rubble. Well, things can happen. Things can happen cataclysmically and we need to always strive to, to be ready for whatever time might come, whatever situation might come. And ultimately, uh, our time in this earth is going to come. And so are we ready right now? So that's just a little bit of an aside. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's something that is, is very real and we need to stop and think. I want us to continue in our series, God is our strength. And this is looking at the third part of this particular series. And the subtitle that I put in there is, are you trying to handle things alone? How many people may be right now in the Maui area? How, how many people may be thinking, you know, I, I didn't, had no idea. I, I didn't know this was going to, well, of course, nobody knew it was going to happen. And, but they feel like maybe they were, were not just caught off guard, but caught completely unprepared. And when we look at scenes like that, it ought to cause us to reflect and ask ourselves, are we prepared? But we can always, if we're walking with God in faithfulness, we can always trust him to be our strength in whatever the case might be, whatever the situation might be that confronts us. If we're not walking with God in faithfulness, then we can look at that reality prospectively and say, I need, just like I need to have life insurance on my physical life or car insurance on my vehicle, I need to have eternal life insurance, making sure that I am walking with God and that whatever happens, I can lean upon his strength. So in this third, in this third section, I want us to look at another area. Now, the first 
couple of areas. We just kind of looked in, in a gen, from a general perspective and said, you know, we need to recognize that God is our strength. He is ultimately the only reliable and consistent strength that we have as human beings going through life in this world. Then we noted last time that God is our refuge and strength in the face of temptation. The devil is active and he is going to throw at us all kinds of temptations that are intended to lead us away from faithfulness to God, away from obedience and into sin and thereby eternal condemnation. God is our strength, our refuge in times of trouble and struggle of all kinds. We noted the psalmist in Psalm 46 verses one through three, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, God is still our strength and our refuge. He might say, okay, that sounds pretty, you know, pretty metaphorical perhaps. Though the, the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, go look at Mount St. Helens sometime. My wife and I were there a few years ago. The landscape has changed. Uh, mountains be removed. Look at what's happened in Lahaina, Maui, Hawaii right now, completely different landscape. We look also understanding that we can always trust God in every situation, again, if we're walking with him in faithfulness. Psalm 62 in verse two, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. And then drop down to verse six. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. I remember watching a little bit of a news brief going back into 2020 when we were in the early stages and a great deal of confusion and uncertainty and lack of knowledge as to just how to most effectively move forward during the COVID uh, pandemic. And I remember one fellow who was on the news, he was criticizing the, another fellow who's a businessman, but he was speaking at the side of the president at that particular time, and he was encouraging people because everybody was looking for direction. Everybody was looking for uh, encouragement, for strength. And, and this fellow said, you know, read your Bible. Now, he wasn't offering solutions to this is how we, how we you know, somehow cure this illness or this, this virus, this pandemic, but he said, read your Bible. And so here comes this other guy on, the, on this news brief, you know, a few days later perhaps, and he, he said, you know, he just put that down. He said, you know, I don't know that you ought to be showing this stuff anymore. When you've got a guy standing up there just saying, read your Bible. Well, that guy did not understand the basic principle that God is our strength. 
in the face of whatever might come along. That does not mean we should not continue to look to, to medical technology to try to give us the, the physical answer. But we need more than just physical answers. We need more than just whatever the case might be that's facing us and challenging us at that particular moment in time. We need the overriding umbrella of strength that can only be found in God. So let's move on to the next section of this particular series. And these are intended to be, as I said last time, and as I've been saying for some time, I want these Sunday evening series to be faith strengthening, faith building studies. Our God is our rock and strength in times of physical sickness and infirmity. Everybody experiences illness. Everybody experiences hmm, accidents that can challenge us from a physical perspective. Things can quickly, almost instantly change as to our physical well-being. And they can sometimes be lifelong effects. Our lives may be changed physically for the rest of our lives due to some illness, due to some accident, whatever the case might be. And so how do we get through that? How do all of a sudden, if we find ourselves being virile, find ourselves being strong, capable, able to deal with life generally in an effective and, and even powerful way by God's blessings, what do we do once that changes maybe almost instantly? Got hit by a car. Saw a young man, I believe I did the wedding ceremony for him great many years ago. And he was a young, virile, strong young man. I believe he dove into uh, a small lake or pond and did not realize how shallow the, the, the ground was under that particular service, a surface of water. Broke his neck, I believe. He was paralyzed for the rest of his life. Largely paralyzed. Going to go around in a wheelchair from then on. I don't believe that ever changed. His life, his physical well-being changed in an instant. So what do we do to face those kinds of situations? What does the person do who goes to the doctor and the doctor runs the tests and the tests come back forcing the doctor to tell the patient, you have some life-threatening terminal disease. You've only got so long to live. How does that person deal with that? God is our refuge and strength in times of sickness and physical infirmity. Psalm 55 and verse 22. What do we do in those cases? The doctor says, nothing more we can do. Nothing more we can do. This is your reality right now. Now, in the case of an accident, maybe it's your reality for the next 40 or 50 years. If it's in the case of a terminal illness, we may be able to extend your days that are left to you for a period of time, but they're going to come to an end pretty soon. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall permit the righteous, he shall not permit, uh, shall never permit the righteous to be moved. We look a little further in Psalm 56 and verse 11. In God, I put my trust. I will not be afraid. 
what can man do to me? A little further, Psalm 121, beginning with verse 1. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Now that does not say in any of those verses of scripture that God necessarily, that God will remove the injury, the effects of it, or that he will cure you of that terminal disease. But it says God will be with you if you're walking with God faithfully and consistently. And we can cast our cares upon him. We can trust him to watch over us and take care of us. We can take all of our difficulties to God in prayer and we can be confident as we do so that he knows those difficulties and that he truly cares about us personally. The song, uh, uh, James wrote in James chapter 5, beginning with verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. And then perhaps the key, or at least a secondary key to this entire immediate context of scripture is right at the end there. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, or another translation says has great power in its effects not because of us who are doing the praying, but because of him to whom we are extending those prayers. And that is God who is all powerful. Luke 1 in verse 37. So we need to pray. God will be there for us as long as we walk with God. But when we pray in such situations, in such cases, we need to pray with faith with faith. James, going back to chapter 1, beginning with verse 6, wrote, but let us ask him in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I can't tell you how many times I have talked with somebody who has been on our prayer list and has asked for our prayers and after they've gone through a period of time of recovering or whatever the situation might be, be it illness or difficulties in their personal life, and so we're, we're praying for you. I try to assure them we, we're praying for you or we've been praying for you. And, and, and they respond and say, I, I, I can feel it. I know. I can see the effects because prayer is powerful. And we ought not to be embarrassed or confused by that statement. Prayer is powerful because we're tapping into the power of God through our prayers. It's not us who are, who are powerful in and of ourselves, but it is God to whom we are praying. And we can cast all of our cares upon him, and we should. 
And that doesn't mean that we don't do what we can do to try to alleviate the matters at hand, but it means that we need to not try to do it just by ourselves. We don't need to have that mindset. We don't need to, to try to just have that focus, but we can do everything we can and then trust God to take care of where we come up short. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the, mighty, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. Look at this last statement. For he cares for you. He cares for you. What a great statement. Have you ever talked to somebody, you've had some need in your life, you had some situation, a difficulty you were going through? You didn't know exactly what was going to happen, how it was going to be resolved, and you just, you just needed, you maybe not even, didn't even know what you needed to ask that person for or exactly what you needed to say, but, but you just needed to talk to somebody. And you talked to that person. And they looked at you kind of like deers in the headlight, you know like they didn't know what to say. And maybe they were even embarrassed listening to you talk about your problem so openly. And you kind of got the impression from their body language and their lack of much response that they really didn't want to hear anything more. And they excused themselves and went on. God's not like that. God cares. He knows what we're going through before we ask whatever the blessings are that we're petitioning him for, and he cares. Now, he knows the best answer. And sometimes the answer we're looking for is not necessarily always the best answer, but God knows the best answer, but he knows exactly what we're going through. And again, with God, nothing shall be impossible, Luke 1 and verse 37. Think about this great account. In Old Testament scripture, going back to 2 Kings chapter 20, King Hezekiah, king of Israel, God sent the prophet to tell Hezekiah, get your affairs in order, you're going to die. The text tells us that Hezekiah turned, he was already on his deathbed apparently, he turned his face to the wall and he began praying to God. The prophet had already left his bedside. He was going through whatever the chambers of the, of the palace ground, of the palace and the palace grounds were. And before he got completely out of the palace grounds, God stopped him and told him, go back. Let's look at the text. Second Kings chapter 20 and beginning with verse five. And God told him, return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer and I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord and I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria and I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant, David. What do you think was the spiritual and the emotional reaction of King Hezekiah when God's prophet came back and told him, 
God sent me back to tell you something. God's going to heal you. He's going to give you 15 more years of life. Can you imagine the rejoicing? And also, can you imagine the strengthening of Hezekiah's faith at that particular point? Knowing that God was there, that he cared, and that he responded in such a positive way to his prayer. We can pray to God for healing, and we know that he is listening. Psalm 6 and verse 2, Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3, Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. What great, encouraging verses of Scripture God has provided for us in his word. God is all-powerful. Again, nothing is impossible for God. All healing ultimately comes from God. I know we go to the doctor and we tell him our symptoms and the doctor examines us, maybe runs some tests, and he says, you've got XYZ disease. And then he writes a prescription or maybe he, he advises surgery of some kind or another. But where did the knowledge come from? Where did the technology come from? The understanding of the technology that's available to us. Where did the understanding of the different elements of the medication that, are, that come together to make up the, the, the effective healing kind of results by taking that medication? That's all from God. And ultimately, all healing comes from God. Jeremiah 32, verse 17, ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. So when we stumble upon some herb or some extract from some root of a plant growing in the wild, perhaps, and we realize, whoa, we find out this has healing power, healing effects. Who do you think put that plant in the ground? Who do you think put those effects within the root of that plant? Who do you think put those herbs here at our, at our disposal and for our use? God knew it all to begin with, all of it. We look a little further, Luke 1 and verse 37, as I've been referring to a couple of times already, with God, nothing will be impossible. Luke 5 and verse 17, now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, speaking of Jesus, Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, think about what's saying there and think about the implications of this. God is all-powerful. Jesus came exhibiting and using the power of God in situations to be able to heal people and help them understand that the spiritual message he was bringing to them had the power of God that he was demonstrating through the physical healing. 
In Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease of the people. Jesus came to bring us the message of spiritual healing. But God knew that a whole lot of people were going to be skeptical. A whole lot of people were going to be just outright disbelieving. And so God sent him to use the power to, to bring forth physical healing to impress upon those people that the message of spiritual healing that he brought to them from the throne room in heaven was true and that it was from God. The miracles, people get caught up in the miracles that Jesus performed as though they were in themselves, in and of themselves, some major purpose of his coming. They were to demonstrate that he truly is the savior come from God and the power to forgive and heal is there, but the power to heal spiritually is what we really need, what we really need. Matthew 15 and verse 31. So the multitude, when they saw the mute speaking, the, ma the maimed made whole, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel glorified the God of Israel. It does not matter how, ex how long our life might be extended through physical healing. Unless the Lord comes again first, we will all still die physically. But if we have been healed spiritually through the blood of Christ, through the gospel message of salvation and eternal life, been baptized into him, so that the blood that is shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins and we were reborn spiritually, saved, then we are healed not just for this physical lifetime, but we are healed spiritually for all of eternity. That's the power of God. That's the real message of the Savior coming to this earth. But now we need to recognize at the same time that sometimes God uses our physical infirmities to teach us that our ultimate strength is not in the physical, but is in our spiritual relationship with him. We're reminded of what the Apostle Paul wrote in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 7. He wrote of his own experience along this line. He said, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might, be, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. God talking about his strength being made perfect in the weakness of mankind. I can show you things. I can use you in the way that you are right now, if you'll let me. 
The text goes on and says, and here's Paul speaking. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in, re in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, in for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Paul learned his lesson. He learned his lesson. God said no to the prayer. I'm not going to remove that infirmity from you. I'm going to use you in that infirmity. I'm going to show you, I'm going to show others around you that I, my power can still work for, through you in mighty ways, even though you might consider yourself to have a physical handicap at this particular moment in time. Romans 8 and verse 31, what a great kind of summation. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What a great mindset. Think about what that says. Something has happened. If God is for me, who can be against me? Something seems to have crushed out our life from one or more perspectives. Those people in Lahaina, Maui, homes gone, businesses gone, rubble left behind. But if God is for me, this can't beat me. God will see me through. I remember Sister Elise when she was going through the terrible physical problem she was going through. I don't remember a single time ever talking to her, how are you doing, without her responding by, I'm blessed. She understood who the Lord was. She understood a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I've met other people like that. That ought to be the mindset of every single one of us. But it cannot really be in the most effective way if we're not walking with the Lord faithfully every day. Do you need to make a change in your life? Do you need to come to the Lord? Do you need to recognize you can't do it by yourself? You never could. You can't do it now. You never will be able to. You need to be able to live your life with the mindset God's with me because I'm with God I've come to him through my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I've repented of my sins I've put that old life behind me as we talked about this morning in our lesson and I've taken up a new life in Christ the blood he shed on the cross cleansed me as I was buried with him in the waters of baptism and I was made new at that point spiritually I came up a new person, and I've been living that new life ever since. And so whatever might come my way, whatever might happen, God's with me. What can man do to me? What can this world do to me? We'd love to help you with that if you need to take that step. If you need to study some more, we're here. If you'll just ask, we'll help you study. 
will study with you. One was added to the Lord just this past week after studying for several weeks. We'd love to help you along that line. Or maybe you just need prayer to help you be stronger in your faith and in your focus. And if that's the case, please step forward. Let us know or talk with us privately so we can pray with you and for you. If God, if God is with us, who can be against us? Is God with you? And the ultimate answer that, to that is, are you with God? Let us stand and sing.